lost, painful, toxic shock syndrome. This week, the gal pals talk about tampons. It's your good cow pals, Kayla and Arnie, bringing you TMI Talks, where you'll be thinking, no one told me, for friends, sisters, and moms, for all women and vagina havers, evidence-based information brought to you by a science master obsessed with research and a physician assistant. Just a reminder that this is for educational purposes only. Please seek a medical professional if you have concerns. We do our best to provide up-to-date information backed by evidence-based medicine. We do the research so you don't have to. Hello, and welcome to the No One Told Me podcast. This is the fourth episode in our Mythbuster series, where we focus on common myths and bust them. And today, we're talking about traveling tampons and focusing on tampon myths. Our first myth is that tampons can get lost in you. Now I'm sure many of us have heard this myth before, especially when we were first trying to figure out how to manage our menstruation. I can definitely say this is one that I've heard. Why do you think this is a common myth? Honestly, Kayla, I've heard this myth so many times. This myth has a lot to do with the fact that we don't know enough about our own anatomy. And a lot of this probably comes from the fact that women's health isn't something that people often talk about, especially when it comes to women's anatomy. I think you're completely right with that. I actually, okay, I'm on social media a little too much, but I was on TikTok and I saw someone reacting to a 3D model of the uterus and they were comparing it to the size of your hand. Now, I'm sure you are very aware, maybe saw a 3D model like in person of like how big it is compared to your hand. And everyone in the comments was freaking out about the fact that your uterus is not the size of a football. Because I feel like growing up, we're not, we're shown diagrams of what our reproductive organs look like, but never a scale of how big it is. I think that has a part in this because you don't know how big your vagina is either. So you don't know if a tampon can get lost in this massive canal that's in your body when realistically, I'm sure Artie can probably give a better description of how big our reproductive systems are than I can, but it's not as big as we think it is. I have actually seen a live uterus that has been removed from someone during surgery uh, during one of the rotations I was on. And I was even having seen 3D models in the past, I was shocked at how small uteruses really are. And the size of the uterus can actually change based on how many pregnancies you've had in the past. And that's a totally normal thing. But the uterus I had seen was about the size of the palm of my hand, probably even less. It looked like a little pear, if I can describe the shape and size of it properly. A pear that's able to grow an entire life. It just boggles my mind every time. Coming back to the size of our vagina. Yes, they have the capacity to push out a human and 
undergo intercourse. But vaginas are actually pretty dainty, I would like to say. The average length of vaginas is about three to four inches. When you're aroused, however, they, that length can increase to about five to six inches, depending on what source you look at. So at the end of the vagina, so you have the opening at one end, and at the other end, you have your cervix, which as we've mentioned in previous episodes, is meant for one direction flow of either blood or a baby. And that cervical os or that cervical opening is actually very, very tiny for most people. Even if you've had children in the past or given vaginal birth, that cervix tends to stay pretty small. So it is not actually possible to push a tampon in through your cervix. And beyond the cervix, you have your uterus, and that is a fairly closed sack of an organ, if I can describe it like that. So no, it is not possible to lose your tampon inside your body. Now, I feel like people may be concerned about losing their tampons if for some reason the string of the tampon has been cut off or the string has fallen off, then you might have to do a little bit of digging digging, <laughs> digging to grab the tampon, but it's not possible to completely lose the tampon inside. If you feel that you've forgotten the tampon in there and there is discomfort, obviously please do go digging because the last thing you want is to leave a tampon unattended, unattended and forgotten in your reproductive tract. Our second myth has a lot of cultural undertones and can be a very personal subject to a lot of people. The second myth is that tampons can break your hymen or in other words, take away your virginity. Now we want to say before we start talking about this subject that we know that there's a lot of cultural undertones and we want to respect all of that because the world is great and huge and there's a lot of different understandings of how we are to function in this world, but we're going to look at this from more of a medical perspective. That's exactly right. Essentially, virginity is how you choose to define it or how your culture chooses to define it. We won't get into that. We're basically going to be talking about what the hymen is and does it break when a tampon goes in. So let's get into it. So let's talk about what a hymen actually is. The hymen is a thin membrane that covers part of the vaginal opening. This does not cover the whole opening. And I'll tell you why. You do need a little bit of a opening, even in that thin membrane, for menstrual blood to pass through. Now, there can be people who are born with an imperforate hymen, meaning that the entire hymen covers the opening of the vaginal canal. And oftentimes these people do need some sort of surgery to allow for menstrual blood to flow through. We'll put a link in our about section, which shows a variety of the different types of hymen people can have. But the majority of the types you're going to see on people if you imagine the opening of the vagina, the membrane covering it is like a donut. So the center whole part of it will actually be the part that is 
where blood can pass through. And the surrounding donut part of it will be the hymen. So that's, again, a thin filamentous membrane. This is very cool. Um, from my understanding of what a hymen is, it's exactly what you described. I didn't know about the different types of arrangements of holes, but from what I understood is that, and I'm sure you can say more about this, is that the hymen stretches and almost contracts as well, depending on like your body. And you can never really break it because there's already an opening. So it would, that opening will stretch when people have the experience of bleeding during intercourse or something along those lines, or even some people experience it when they ride their bike. Some people experience it when they're pretty sure people have heard this before when they go horseback riding. That is because it's stretching a little bit too quickly and then it will almost rip a little edge of it, which will be causing the blood from my understanding. That's at least what I have heard. I will admit this is not coming from any research because I haven't researched this part of it. But that is from what I've been hearing, which I might be wrong. So I'm sure Arnie has. Um... Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's actually what I was going to talk about next. The hymen cannot break. It does stretch. So exactly the way you described it, uh, you can stretch it just doing daily physical activity, biking, gymnastics, swimming, horseback riding. Most people won't even feel when it stretches. It might just show up as a little bit of bloody discharge on their underwear. And hymens can be stretched with, again, like we mentioned, physical activity, penetration with a foreign body. And this includes fingers, intercourse, and tampon use. So this is where we kind of have a gray area between what is a myth and what is not. Essentially, the hymen can't break, but it can be stretched by tampon use. And depending on the size of hymen you were born with, you might never actually feel uh, or might never actually experience the bloody show of a hymen stretching. Because some people are just born with different anatomy. That's what it all comes down to. Yeah, I hope I hope our listeners have a better understanding of that subject. I know that's something that um it's a very hot topic, especially when you're trying to figure out how to navigate life after puberty. I do want to add two little pieces of information, or they kind of relate to common surrounding myths. The hymen can't regrow. There are some misconception that it can possibly regrow uh, if someone hasn't had penetrative intercourse in a while. That's, that's more pop culture than anything. They can't regrow. Another thing I want to bring up based on what I've heard about is virginity testing. So I have heard of individuals, patients going to their healthcare provider or taking their family members to healthcare providers to do a quote unquote virginity checkup to see if the person has an intact hymen. That's not a thing. Based on everything we just described about what a hymen is, how quickly or what things can what things can stretch it, obviously that is not a good test of virginity because again, you can have a stretched hymen for a variety of reasons. 
the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists actually released a statement on this quote unquote virginity testing in 2019 saying that the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists does not have guidance on quote virginity testing quote that that's it there's no such thing take take of it what you will but I felt the need to bring that up not long ago it was also in the media about some famous person getting their daughter to do a checkup of sorts. I forget who it was, but I felt the need to bring it up. Yeah, I know it's um, particularly popular in some parts of the states, but I'm I'm glad we I'm glad you brought that up because it's only something I learned about honestly a couple months ago. So it just infringes on privacy and ethics and a whole can of worms I'm not going to open right now but bottom line is it's not a thing it wouldn't be an accurate reflection of a hymen being stretched anyway but like I said make of that what you will yeah and on that note we're going to move on to our third myth which is that tampons can cause toxic shock syndrome now this is a half myth I'm going to call it a half myth I don't know if we're allowed to call things half myths but we're going to go with it Tampons can cause toxic shock syndrome. However, it takes a lot for that to happen. It used to be a lot more common in the past. And because of technology and how tampons have evolved over the years, the likelihood of it causing toxic shock syndrome is far less, especially if you use the instructions properly and by instructions i i really just mean you change it regularly your risk is very very minuscule um i'm sure arnie has a lot more to say about it but that is where i will leave it for now i agree with everything you said but let's start with what toxic shock syndrome is that is a great place to start that is where i should have started so i'm gonna call it tss for short because it's a long term and I'm probably going to stumble over it and it's a little bit of a tongue twister as we are finding out. TSS is a rare but very serious infection caused by two different types of bugs. I'm going to call them bugs but there are bacteria, either Staphylococcus aureus, Staph aureus, or Streptococcus pyogenes or Strep pyogenes. We don't have to remember the names of these bacteria. I just felt like throwing it in as a fun fact. But this bacteria can cause a very serious infection leading to a medical emergency, which presents as a very high fever, drop in blood pressure, which is common with any sort of bacterial-related shock, diarrhea, headache, muscle aches, and a very specific kind of rash anywhere on the body. Now, like I said, it's rare, but quite serious. And as Kayla was mentioning earlier, it is a half myth because it's kind of true. So the history behind why TSS kind of became associated with menstruation and tampon use is because initially, a lot of these cases back between late 1970s to uh, late 1990s, these cases of TSS were originally due to super absorbent tampons. After people kind of started to realize that the two were associated, 
we started seeing less cases of TSS after these super absorbent tampons were taken down from the market and more information became more readily available to tampon users. So I think that's why we always see the little instruction manual and uh, guidance on how to use tampons with every box that you buy. So after that information kind of became more available, we started to see less cases in the population. However, it is very true that women who develop TSS are more likely to have used tampons with high absorbency or they use tampons continuously for more days of their cycle or they have kept a single tampon in place for a longer period of time. It doesn't necessarily have to be or, it could be a combination of all these factors that have led people to get TSS, but those are risk factors of developing TSS with tampon use, which is why the recommended time of keeping your tampon in is about four to eight hours tops. I do want to put a quick mention that half of the worldwide TSS cases are actually not linked to menstruation. They're linked to something else because again, the staph aureus and strep pyogenes are commonly, I want to say available bacteria in our environment and they can cause infections. Uh, but again, half of the cases are menstruation related for the aforementioned reasons. It's not only tampon use that can give you TSS, it's just that this bacteria is near and in our body and sometimes it goes haywire and becomes an issue. But that's true of literally any bacteria. You can end up with bacteremia or bacteria in your blood from literally anything. So yeah. make of that what you will. So myth 3.5, because it definitely has to do with our last myth that we were talking about is that you shouldn't sleep with a tampon in. Arnie, should we sleep with a tampon in? Is it, sorry, not should we, is it bad to sleep with a tampon instead of using a pad? Depends on if you're sleeping with a tampon in for eight hours or 12. So again, goes with the same line of logic as our previous myth, that if you're leaving in a tampon for longer, the longer you leave it in, increases your risk of TSS. Generally stick to the directions on the box. Typically leave it in eight hours max. Uh, if you think you're going to be sleeping for longer, maybe try waking up and changing it. I know that's a big ask. We all love our sleep, but whatever it takes to lessen your overall risk. Yeah. So I agree with everything you just said. And most, some people might even find it more comfortable because you don't have to worry about the leaking from the pad. Yeah. You can even double up if you really want to. And don't by double, double up. Well, no, no, sorry. <laughs> when, I, when I say double up, I mean wear a tampon and a pad if you are afraid of the tampon leaking while you're sleeping. But again, within, remember, within the eight hours. If you're going to double up as in use a tampon and pad, remember to change both. We're going to put a link about TSS from Teens Health or kidshealth.org in our about section. And honestly, I just have to say as a side, I loved kidshealth.org growing up as a little medical nerd. These are the articles that I read. Anyway, the information is quite succinct and it, it is usually reviewed by a healthcare provider. So you're getting pretty succinct medical information as well. Let's get to 
our little break and go back to our summary and fun facts. Let's sum it up. Myth number one, tampons can get lost in you. No, your vagina is a closed entity. Average length, three to four inches. Longer if aroused. Your tampon should not get lost. It cannot get lost. If you lose the string, that's another thing. But then you can find the tampon. Please remove your forgotten tampon. Don't forget about it. Myth number two, tampons can break your hymen. They can stretch your hymen possibly but so can a lot of other things like fingers intercourse biking walking running gymnastics and no it cannot regrow myth number three it can cause toxic shock syndrome yes and no there is some historic connection with tampons causing tss but better safe and sorry better to be safe than sorry don't leave your tampon in for too long and don't use a tampon unless you're actually menstruating. General guidelines when using a tampon, make sure to change it regularly. That means only use it for four to six hours, eight completely maximum. There are different tampons for different flows. So try to match your flow or try to match your tampon to your flow. And now for our fun facts, which we found some really fun facts for this one to kind of make up for uh, the fact that we didn't really have any last week. We had plenty of fun facts about sharks, Kayla. Don't disrespect the sharks. (laughs) We had great shark fun facts. But now we're going to women's health fun facts. We had animal fun facts with Arnie last week. So we have four fun facts for you. This first fun fact is that some of the earliest tampons were made out of wheats, wool, and papyrus. So papyrus is a cloth-like material that was used in ancient Greece, which makes sense because our little tidbit about this fun fact is that women in ancient Greece also used thin planks of wood wrapped in lint to keep clean during their time of the month. So when we didn't have modern technology for tampons that is some of the earliest versions of tampons and I do feel that we have to be a little bit responsible to mention that there are still many women and vagina havers in the world who still do not have access to feminine hygiene products and a lot of them do end up using things like rags and other unsanitary material during their time of the month Fun fact number two, historically, professional women were more inclined to use tampons. Tampon use skyrocketed during World War II when women began taking over men's professions or quote unquote men's professions. They were much easier to deal with than sanitary pads and were advertised to help women forget about quote that time of the month while performing their war duties. That makes a lot of sense to me. There are a lot of... um... There was a lot of movement in women's rights during that um, period of history. So that makes complete sense to me as why that would happen during that time. And in terms of the advertised as uh, women forgetting about their that time of the month, some people do find it a lot more comfortable to use tampons than pads. And I think that's linked to that. Fun fact number three. Did you know that the average American menstruator uses... 16,800 tampons in her lifetime 
And that adds up to be a whopping $3,000 on tampons alone. That's a lot of money. I know what I would want to do with $3,000 and it's probably not buying tampons. That also has to speak a lot to the accessibility of tampons. And that's also another huge topic that we don't have time for because it's not the the topic for this this week, but it's good to mention. And the fourth fun fact that we have is that tampons actually have a shelf life. Now you won't think of tampons as having an expiration date just because I guess we don't consume tampons in terms of eating or drinking, but they actually do. They're not recommended for use after about five years. And that has a lot to do with the way they're packaged and the fact that they are not able to be like airtight, sealed um, for like a hospital, like medical grade equipment would be sanitized in that way. So over time, there can be a lot of introduction of mold and other things. So if you have a tampon that's been kicking around your purse for over five years, it'd probably be best to throw it out. Or even if you open it, you might see it be a little bit discolored. So something to think about. Not a lot of people know about that. So when you initially mentioned this to me, Kayla, I was a little shocked. I didn't realize, but based on the explanation, it makes total sense. And I think a lot of us have that one or two straggler tampons in our purse or wherever. And you're very right. It might be a good idea to check it out if it's discolored. That's a really great sign not to use it. Discoloration usually means mold. Um, or if you have a tampon that's supposed to be supposed to be wrapped in plastic and the plastic is torn, it might be a good idea to just let that tampon go. Even if you're desperate for one, try not to introduce additional bacteria where it shouldn't be. Yeah, I know a lot of people are always quite shocked to hear that fact, but it's always good. I know we I, I have so many just in case ones just like everywhere. They're littered in all of my bags, but it's good to try to keep an eye on how long you've had them, at least how long you've had the bag. That will tell you at least if it's been over five years. This is definitely something I'm going to start paying more attention to because like I said, have stragglers everywhere (laughs) because you never know. And that's all we had for today. Thank you for listening to our TMI talks where we do the research so you don't have to. Let us know, as always, if you have any questions at The Gal Pals Guide on Instagram or by emailing us at thegalpalsguide at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on your chosen podcast platform. Okay, bye. 